Sistowski. And uh, I'm the Gemini of Kevin Daly, who had to watch this movie twice. Yeah, I had to watch it one and a half times. It is Emmanuel et Francois Le Sorlin, a.k.a. Blood Vengeance, a.k.a. Emmanuel's Revenge. 1975. AKA Emmanuel and the Little Sister. There's a whole bunch of names for this movie. Yep. 1975, Joe D'Amato. Yes, it's she. This letter was found among your sisters, among her things. In fact, it was the address that enabled the police to locate you. We thought it best to read it, but it's yours. Read it yourself. What your sister writes might go a long way to explaining why she committed suicide. Dear Emmanuel, I read your article in Sunday's paper about the mistakes and the misdirection of certain elements in the women's lib movement. You're so right when you say that women mustn't lose their womanhood. It was bound to happen sooner or later. Why? Because. You know how much I love you. I can't do without him. He loves me, he really does. We must find that man at all costs and at once. You know, he's left to his neck and dead. I think he's some kind of a gangster. Look me in the face, Carlo. Do you know who I am? The only person to stand by her always and befriend her. I think I hate Carlo just as much as I love him. But I can't stay away from him. That poor girl lost her life for falling in love with you. You killed that wonderful girl. And now I'm going to see to it that you don't kill any more girls like her. Would you do whatever I wanted? Anything. Really? No matter what I ask you for? You were completely conscious of just how much you were hurting Francois. What do they want? No, don't. Let me go. No. Oh, no. I've thought murdering you was the best way out. But no. You don't deserve such an easy way out. I'm giving you the worst punishment I know. Emmanuel! The one you deserve. Your masculine prowess, which is so powerful and so pitiful. The thing you treasure more than anything in the world. That's how I'm going to punish you, Carlo. Emmanuel! Castrated. You'll be totally impotent. It's ironical. Yes, it is. Because the orgies I put on were only for you. And they will always linger in your mind. But only to haunt you and torment you, because you'll have no release.
happens that you possess the prettiest legs I've ever seen. Thanks. What's maddening about you is that you're unpredictable. That's right. You're in for big surprises. Now you're helpless, aren't you, Carlo? I'm going to crush you the same way you humiliated Francoise. You've got a real battle ahead of you. Remember that I'm right by your side through all of it. You know, you and he ought to get married. You know, you and he ought to get married. I love you, Emmanuel. I love you so much it hurts. Yeah, but that's our boy, Joe D'Amato. He's the one that started us on this journey so long ago. So, so long ago. Bruno Mattei with the screenwriting assist on this one. Yep, and this was our favorite Joe D'Amato film. Uh, still is. <laughs> yeah, even though having watched it now, um, it's kind of like you don't want to go around telling people this is your favorite anything. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's good. But the movie starts with that song. That was the theme song for our Joe D'Amato show. As it should be. It's excellent. It's called Mylene, and it's by Joe Dynamo, which is one of Joe D'Amato's fake names. Many, many, many pseudonyms. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a catchy, cute song. Kind of betrays what this movie turns into. Yeah. And we have Francois modeling throughout the credits, and she's in a bunch of different outfits. And um, she's all happy and cute. And... um. It's weird modeling. It's like cheesecake modeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's 1975. What do you want? Yeah, but it's so innocent a beginning for what is really a fucking disturbing film. (laughs) It is. It is a disturbing film. And then she just, she's talking to the photographer like, oh, wow, we got so much done. And she just gets totally naked and is just talking about modeling while she throws clothes on. No underwear. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't alive in 1975, but I, I think that was not uncommon. Well, you know, underwear isn't just about hygiene. Think chafe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but this was 1975. Yeah. So then, um, let's see. She she goes out and runs some errands on her little bike. She stops by the, the cigar store, which is sold out of her, her boyfriend's favorite cigars. So she has to take a chance on these other ones. But apparently the smoke shop has a... a a full refund policy on cigars. I yes. don't know. Is is that common in smoke shops to have full <laughs> refund policy? I don't think any smoke shop has that. They might like some used to let you sample inside. You know, they would have like they were promoting something, so they'd let you try this cigarette in the store. Yeah, I think uh, nice cigar shops probably still do that. Let you try sample. Yeah, we had a cigar shop in town. I don't know if it's still there. Um, because I don't see that as being a business that survived COVID. Probably not. But then she stops by and gets flowers, and it's like that flower shop scene in the room. <laughs> yeah, like, it is. You're my favorite customer. And she gets home, yeah. and her boyfriend Carlo 
played by George Eastman. Ah, uh, George Eastman. Yes, uh, an Italian exploitation regular. The man, the myth, the legend. The dude is like six foot fucking six tall. Oh yeah, he's a gigantic man. He is a huge human being. And he's having sex with this woman. And so Francois's like, uh, 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 speechless. Carlo just packs up some shit and hands it to Francois and says, eh, you didn't think it'd last forever, did you? That's right. And she's like, he gives no shits. He's just like, yeah, all right, sure. And she's yeah. just, she's just like, why? And he just kind of goes because and shuts the door. Yeah, literally doesn't care. She keeps trying to call her sister Emmanuel and getting the the answering machine before she decides the solution to her problem is to throw herself in front of a train. That escalated quickly, though. As the movie goes on, it didn't actually escalate that quickly. Yeah, we find out that this was not a uh, impulsive decision. No, this had been building. Yep. So Emmanuel shows up, and Emmanuel is a successful reporter. Well, author, rather. Um, it's always kind of the Emmanuel character in all of the Emmanuel films. Either, you know, your your white Emmanuel films, your black Emmanuel. She's always some sort of writer or journalist or something. Yeah, because I believe in Emmanuel in America, our bonus episode, she's just a photographer. She's like an investigative photographer or something. Um... But we'll get to that one. Yeah, let's let's. We got a whole bunch to say on that one. Let's stick to this one. So Emmanuel um, identifies the body, and the police say we found this letter addressed to you and her belongings. Um, but we did not read it, even though the police totally would read it because you know it's a violent death worthy of investigating. Right, it's evidence. I don't know. Maybe Italy's different. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I guess they did read it because she starts to read it. And after, like, the first flashback, which we're going to get to, she talks to, the cops talk about the letter. But Carlo, you know, apparently, Francois just told her whole relationship with Carlo in this letter. I don't know how long this letter is, other than half the fucking movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty in-depth letter. Or it's maybe multiple letters. It's never really established how many letters it was. Yeah, because a lot of times we get Francois in voiceover just talking about love forever. She's out with Carlo, and he's, like, accepted a job to act in this movie, um, presumably. Yeah, well. And they go out to the set, and the director's like, oh, hey, let me show you around the set. And then they go into this, like, saloon, and Carlo's like, I forgot my cigarettes. And... This director just straight up rapes Francois. He just goes, Francois, and then it's all over her. Yeah. And, you know, Carlo is just standing outside smoking, and he explains to Francois later, like, that that had to happen. I, I owed him money, and this yeah, was our this, agreement. This is a, a trend where he's basically just sex trafficking his girlfriend the whole movie. Yes, he's got a bad problem with gambling, much like the real George Eastman did. Yeah, George Eastman did have problem with gambling. But despite this, Francois still says in voiceover, he loves me. He really does. And he's so manipulative to her. Because he's like, you should leave me to die alone. Because without you, I'm a dead man. But it hurts you, and it's just terrible for him. You know, he's a terrible person. Yeah, pretty common. His his stuff, the way he does his manipulation is very typical <coughs> abuse abuser uh, victim relationship stuff. The guilt tripping and the, oh, you know, you should leave me. Oh, that's very... Yeah. And um, so the police tell Emmanuel, we're going to find this mysterious Carlo guy. Seems your sister had, had this secret boyfriend, even though totally not a secret. Not a secret. Also, the dude is 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. He's in Italy. Like, he's like a good 
eight inches taller than most men. He stands out. Yeah, because Emmanuel immediately finds him at a at a horse track by accident. Yeah. She's she owns horses apparently. Yeah, she uh, race horses, and uh, I guess they all run in the same like super ritzy circle. As you see, they inter- interact with each other many times in the same like environment. Yeah, well, because Carlo pretends that he has money, right? Uh, well, he might have money if he didn't keep gambling it all the way. Yeah, because he's apparently terrible at gambling. Because he's talking to these guys about who to which horse to wager on. And they're like, why would we wager on a, a lame horse that's never won a race? Yeah, he's just terrible. He's like, I tell you, I'm putting all my money on this horse. It's a fucking, like, horse has three legs or some shit, I don't know. But he sees Emmanuel and flirts, and there's a, a chase scene, kind of. Yeah, with a, with a pretty good car chase song, but yeah, it's kind of a weird sort of... Like, cruising car chase. Yeah, because he's just following her as she goes home, and he's a fucking creep. And he just waits outside, and it's playing, like, western music. It sounds like there's about to be a fucking high noon showdown yeah. year. Kind of mysterious music going on here. I like the instrumentation in that song. It is. The music in here is really weird. It's it's hit and miss, kind of. I enjoy it for the most part. Yeah. And then, so we go back to uh, another flashback. Francois says, and I I don't know why I wrote down this whole quote, Often I never wish I had come into this world. Why does love cause so much pain? Well, it, it doesn't, Francois. You're just dating an absolute piece of shit. Because Carlo's playing poker with his buddies while Francois's like in the background scrapbooking. Yep. And uh, we see a, a Joe D'Amato trademark. Is he drinking? Scott. Yes, yes. We see it a couple times. Yep. Uh, it's actually pretty good, by the way. And he um, loses a bet and puts up Francois as a wager. So the guys pretend to leave. And Carlo goes back and starts, you know, being really super affectionate, unwanted affection on Francois. Because she's like, I'm not into it. Not not right now, Carlo. And then he just rapes her while these dudes come in and watch and laugh. Yep. Yeah, and she's crying the whole time. No, no, no. It's it's really not good to watch. Again, it's it's not good to call this your favorite movie to people. Like, oh yeah, look at this scene. Well, I mean, it's not like, oh man, I really enjoy this scene. It's the overall overall of the movie. And then so Emmanuel's out on a date with some other guy. No, she's not. No, she's playing tennis. Yeah, the guy thinks he's gonna get some though. Yeah, he thinks he does. But then um, Carlos there with his girlfriend, but. Like, literally takes her drink away from her and gives it to Emmanuel. Yep. The girl's like... He gives, he gives no shits. To be fair, she was already the side piece. I mean... Yeah. He probably thinks you are side piece. It's like, you knew this was coming. And then Emmanuel and George Eastman are off to the beach, and you really get the scope of how gigantic George Eastman is when they're walking it's together. massive. He's like a full person taller than... Yeah. There's a reason he plays, like, the bad guy in Anthropophagus and shit, because he's an actual monster, like, physically. And she is purposely just playing very hard to get, because, like, she steals his car for a moment. Yeah, that's great. And then she's at a club, which at first I put strip club, but then I realized, no, there's just the one naked lady. It's a regular-ass club. It's the 70s. And it's playing this fucking D'Amato song called Where Is The Love. Yeah, on this episode of White People Dancing. Yeah, and it's so, so white. And Carlo abandons his girlfriend again. 
to go talk to Emmanuel. And she, like, makes a plan to see him. But before that, she goes and buys drugs from some guy. Yeah, there's also a really abrupt song change where it just, like, cuts into, like, a slow dance and then immediately back to a fast bizarre. Uh, you know, it's a club. <laughs> That's my least favorite scene in the, uh... In the movie? In the movie, yeah. I'm not a club person. I wasn't alive in the 70s. Maybe that was common to have these weird, like, song changes for 30 seconds. I don't know. But somehow I think it was just bad edited. <laughs> Did they have mixed tables in clubs back then? I don't know. But yeah, Carlo comes I mean, over. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, uh, you know, turntables were a thing, like record players, so maybe. But Carlo comes over, and Manuel fixes him a J&B scotch that's drugged. And so she takes, um, somehow, Emmanuel finds inhuman strength to drag Carlo into this closet and chain him up. 280 pounds of fucking George Eastman. (laughs) He's like a fucking wrestler body. Yeah. It's like The Rock. And so there's another flashback, rather. And Carlo and Francois are having a dinner, and she's like, I love you, Carlo. I love you so much. And he's like, oh, well, I owe this gambling debt. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, well, can we pawn stuff? Can we sell the car? You know, I'll do anything to help you. And he's like, well, anything? There is one thing we could do. And it goes into this fucking horrible montage of Francois in a porno. Yeah, a uh, underground black and white shot on eight millimeters <laughs> porno because it was probably illegal. It looks like a snuff film. Yeah. Um, and that's mixed with just pictures of Francois being happy while it's playing this really dramatic music. I actually like this scene. It's it's very, like, the contrast really sell the, yeah, cause it just, the sleaziness of it. It shows how badly Carlo destroyed her. Yeah. Because you see her happy running through fields or modeling in beach clothes, matched with her just being roughly abused in this porno. Yeah. Incidentally, he apparently owed 3 million lira in 1975. That was $4,440.83, which would translate to $24,574.05 today. They paid her, they paid him a lot to have her shoot that porno. Yeah. It probably wasn't just straight up regular fucking then. No, probably not. And so Carlo wakes up chained up in this, this secret closet. Which, why does Emmanuel have casually a padded torture room i don't know maybe she built this i don't know i mean i guess it had been a few months like that establishes at the end of the movie they said it her sister had died a few months prior and she is very wealthy yeah she controls the secret room with a lamp like you turn the lamp and the the secret door behind the mirror opens because the mirror is part of it it's a two-way mirror yeah it's also soundproof in there yep and it has a speaker yeah it's a speaker so he can still hear everything that's happening in Manuel's apartment. And Maybe it's a panic room? <laughs> I don't know. But first, Carlo's like, what did they pay you? And he wants to strangle her, but she's like, you know, if you kill me, you're just going to fucking starve to death in here. So he, he thinks about it. And so Emmanuel's revenge here is very, very weird because she tortures him with, with sex. It's weird. Yeah, psychosexual torture, which is quite effective on a person like Carlo. Yeah, because she goes down to... A mechanic to get her car fixed and she she just full on gives this dude a panty shot like he's under yep. the car and she just squats down with her dress all hiked up going is there anything i can do to help drop the car off at my house yeah and then he does and she's like come on in have a drink oh i spilled this on your shirt antics ensue it's just like bad porno 
Yeah, because they 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 have sex and Carlo watches. Yep. And Carlo he starts to realize he he's fucked. That when he smacked that food away from Emmanuel, it really screwed him up because now he's starving and he's having to like lean over and grab food off the floor. I actually really like this scene because it puts him in a position of submission. It does because he's bent over and he is. This is something he's been like abusing and dominating, and now he's the dominated. And it it is. I think that works. I think that scene works very well. Good performance from uh, Eastman here as well. Yep. The sex scene obviously cut on YouTube. We had to watch the uncut version to see that. Yes. Uh, most of the sex scenes were cut on YouTube, including the rape scenes, which actually I liked those cuts better. Yes. We, we can talk a little bit about that once we go through the end, and I, we can mention some of the differences. Then Emmanuel's at the pool, and she starts flirting with Carlo's new girlfriend, who's like, yeah, I don't think I'm seeing Carlo anymore. He hasn't been around in a week. Her name's Mira, by the way. We finally get her name. I don't think we'd gotten her name up to that point. And so Emmanuel invites Mira over to her apartment, along with this other woman. And that's immediately, they're like, you ever have sex with women before? No, let's try it. And they have this big lesbian group sex. And yeah. Carlo's got to watch it. A very, uh, a rather drawn out scene. Of course, it's completely cut, but it's a little too drawn out in the uncut version. <laughs> yeah, it goes on forever. And it's playing this music that that has lyrics that are just na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Yeah, this this song is not great. No. <laughs> and she don't miss Mira no fucks given about Carlo. Yeah. She's like, men are repulsive. They just want to get their kicks. They don't care about women. Yeah, so the drug dealer comes over and um it sells Emmanuel some unethical drugs. <laughs> yeah. This is the sleaziest looking dude ever. He is. He's kinda cute though. <laughs> <laughs> He's your type, huh? Yeah. Alright, fair enough. But yeah, and she gives these drugs to Carlo, which it, it's LSD or something. Yeah, some sort of hallucinogen. She gives it to Carlo because this is the fucking dinner scene. Yeah, I love, I love this scene. The scene so, is insane, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I like kind of the trippier stuff, so. Yeah, you loved Mandy. I did. Yeah, Emmanuel, um, she's having friends over for dinner. And it's just like a fancy little dinner party. They're dressed nice. They're drinking wine. It's playing classical music. And then suddenly they're eating, like, human organs and just snarling before it turns into them just eating full-on just legs and hands. And it's just nightmarish. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's always back to cannibals with us. Yeah, just always back to cannibals. Get a, can't get away from it. Obviously, this is a hallucination, so it's not actually cannibals in this movie. But. Yeah, and then... They're all playing with each other under the table. Plenty yep. of hands and plenty of crotches. Many, many hands, many, many crotches. <laughs> and dudes just really erotically eating bananas, just licking and deep-throating these bananas before <laughs> um, they just strip Emmanuel naked, strap her to the table, and shove a wine bottle up her. And then all these naked women break into the, the secret room, and they're just groping Carlo. Yeah. And then he, he snaps out of it. And his brain is now sufficiently broken. Yeah, he is broken. And we just see him just kind of like zoned out crying. And we see that it's just a regular dinner party. They're still sitting there with wine and, you know, just eating regular food. Yep. And yep, just normal dinner party is my note there. And then let's see. Get the race car scene, I think. The race the... car scene is next. It's a random flashback. It's not like... Francois's letter flashback. No, this is a, a memory Emmanuel has of the time she spent with, with her sister. Oh, I was trying to understand the note I wrote before this. No, Emmanuel wakes up in bed with some dude. And it's she, that same dude. It's the car guy. Yeah, and she just tells him to fuck off. 
I love Emmanuel. She just doesn't care. You know, the funny thing is, you have a sociopath like Carlo, but Emmanuel is just as much of a sociopath. Yeah, only she's out for vengeance. Carlo right, is always out for himself. <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, sometimes it's like Dexter. Sometimes he takes one to know one, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's when she has the flashback of Francois and Emmanuel are watching this race car driver, and it's it's like sentimental and. Francois gets to drive the race car and it's a lot of fun for her. You know, it's just random, you know, non-sexual, just normal flashback. Yeah, there's some... I feel like, you know, obviously we watched both a, a cut and uncut. I think there was there was some scene cut here, though, because the way I interpreted it, because after she gets out of bed with the dude, she, that's when she has this, like, memory and Francois is done, oh, you should marry this guy, and maybe she did, or maybe they were going to, and he died in a car accident. That's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting from this scene here, because she's having some sort of emotional response to this thought. I thought her emotional trigger in response to this was waking up in bed with this guy that she's just definitely not attracted to. Just, she angrily kicks him out of bed, but then she has this flashback to like remind herself of why she's doing this. Oh, that's that's a good interpretation too. The only the only thing that that, that made me think that is because the whole thing she remembers is you should marry that guy. You should marry. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, what if she had married the race car driver instead of hooking up with fucking Carlo? Yeah, so or she... something. Yeah, it's hard to hard to say. It was definitely. Um, I feel like there was something cut here, or there was supposed to be more to this scene, and it just wasn't finished. Yeah. And Carlo has his own just random hallucination here of murdering Emmanuel. He has this. Which, go ahead. Which, given his uh, mental state, makes makes sense. Yeah, um, it's just this really violent fantasy that he breaks out of there and gets a fucking meat cleaver and cuts her all up. She's just rolling around naked, covered in blood, and then there's. <laughs> I guess he fantasizes about cutting her hands and arms off because we just see her, like, lay in there. Yeah. And somebody off-camera throws his fake hand and his fake arm. He's just uh, hack-whack chopping that meat. Yep, he's Butcher Pete. But it's just a hallucination because Manuel comes in and she explains what's up here. That, like, you remember Francois. You know, you're. N I'm going to make sure that you'll never hurt another woman again. Like, I'm going to let you go, but you're going to be broken and humiliated. Because she's going to cut his dick off. That's yep. what she's saying. She's got the knife and, like, antiseptic and everything there. And she's like, you're going to deserve this. I'm like, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Why did you need to do this psychosexual torture show forever? Because she's a sociopath. Yeah. She just wanted an excuse to get laid. Or that. Yeah. Or both. And um, he manages to escape, though. And he chases Emmanuel all over the house. With this meat cleaver. And she's screaming and screaming. So the neighbor's like, what the hell's going on over there? Let's go call the police. And he kills Emmanuel. He, he tacks her up. Just, Incidentally, le less violent than the the fantasy scene. <laughs> yeah, he just gives her a couple licks with the thing. He doesn't, like, dismember her, like, in the fantasy. No, just kind of in a, a rage kills her. And Probably didn't even really intend on doing it. He's, he's, he's half sane at this point. Yeah, he's not really sane anymore. So he runs into the... Well, the police show up. So he goes to hide in the, the secret cabinet, the secret closet, but he doesn't close it all the way. Yeah, he just like slides it just enough so that it looks like it's closed. Yeah, and he just hides out in there the whole time the police are investigating Emmanuel's murder. And he can hear everything because... The speaker's on, yeah. And um, so they're, they're finishing up finally. 
who knows how much longer. You know, they've already removed the body and uh, gathered their evidence. The photographer's taking some last shots. And they're like, oh, wait, before you go, dust that lampshade for fingerprints. And it's the lampshade. <laughs> yep. So it closes, it locks the uh, the secret door. And Carlo is just like, no, help me, no. And they can't hear him and they just walk away. And he's left in there to starve to death. And thus the Shakespearean ending is complete. Yeah, I imagine... Every, everybody dies in the end. Months later, somebody will probably like buy this house, and when they're taking this stuff, I don't know, to an estate sale, they'll hit the lampshade. This decayed body of Carlo just kind of rolls out. Because they said they were going to seal it up for at least a month. Yeah, you know, I, I'd imagine the people buying the house and just find this skeleton and go like what the fuck it's a it's a neanderthal skeleton she hid in here some giant hell is this to steal this from a museum (laughs) but yeah it's an interesting movie i'm very fond of it i still liked it um mostly because it takes the, the rape stuff very seriously it does unlike a lot of exploitation especially like d'amato in the 80s well yeah um, where rape was just a thing. It was an excuse for a sex scene, really. But here, it's... Yeah, there are, there are definitely some D'Amato films that that's, that's like, yes. This one, it is just, it's very serious. It Rape is serious topic, and it destroys this poor young girl. And so you, you justify, you know, it justifies what Emmanuel does. I'm on her side. Torture this fucking dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one else was going to get him for it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, cops wanted to catch him, but they were mostly just trying to bust him for, like, small-time pimping or something. Yeah, you know, she... I kind of wish Manuel had succeeded to cut off his dick and let him go. Yeah. But the ending of being trapped in there to slowly starve to death... That's pretty horrible, too. Because I think she explains at one point what it's, you know, like to die of thirst, you know, to, to Carlo, to just to keep him from killing her. He's like, you know what it's like to die of thirst... You lose your mind. But yeah, it's a very well done movie, which was shocking for D'Amato at that time for us. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, his cinematography is always good. I mean, obviously, that's the thing. He, he's a cinematographer, first and foremost. And I actually really like his cinematography. I liked it in this one. I actually liked it in the other movie, too, even though my feelings in the other movie are quite a bit different than this one. Um, no, I like this movie a lot. I Incidentally, I, I like the edited uh, rape scenes because they're short and to the point and like it gives you just enough taste of why uh carlo is an asshole and a horrible person yeah this without being drawn out but i mean there is a lot of visceral impact in the unrated that being said the unrated one also has some really extended uh soft core sex scenes for funsies yes the lesbian scene that goes on forever so eh. but it's still like when we first watched this, we'd come off of, like, a string of bad D'Amato films. Um, yeah. But it was still early in his career. Like, he hadn't done anything good yet, and then there was this. Yeah, we were shocked at finding this, like, well, because we thought it was just going to be another, like... Because I think we'd done a lot of the Black Emmanuel films, like... No, this, I think we, this was right before the Black Emmanuel films. Oh, we hadn't started doing the, the, the Laura Gemser ones yet? I don't no. remember so long ago. Um, we found this, and it's like, oh, this is actually quality. Yeah, and Bruno Mattei wrote it. You know, later we'll 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 visit Bruno Mattei on his own. Yeah, I mean, there's he, another classic exploitation director from Italy. Yeah, yeah, like we'd come up the string of film, D'Amato films we did right before this: Diary of a Roman Virgin, 
Heroes in Hell, Red Coat, and then Emmanuel and Francois. Diary of a Roman Virgin. That was the one that was all in Italian. It was like a family sex comedy. No, no, that one. Diary of a Roman Virgin was like, I, I can't remember it. Because the one that was like the family sex comedy was like Chastity something. Oh, yeah. Was this a... Vow of Chastity. Vow of Chastity, that was that one, yeah. Yeah. Was Which, this a nunsploitation movie then? No, it was like, what the hell was it even about? I don't. I remember Redcoat, the Mountie movie. The rise to power of a prostitute in ancient Rome. That's all. T- I barely remember that. I, <laughs> I don't I didn't, remember. I, it. I know I watched it. I barely remember it though. Yeah, well, of course we watched it. We watched everything. Yeah, it was rare. We tried to go. We tried to go through everything. We found. Like I said, you even found a bootleg fist pirates and karate. <laughs> Yeah, um, there was only rarely did we find something that um, that we couldn't find. Or yeah, it was hard. We would skip around a bit because it's like I don't want to watch Emmanuel in the sexy mondo part seven. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Emmanuel in the white sex trade, what was slave trade? What was Emmanuel in the white slave trade? Yeah, which for some reason that's like the only Emmanuel movie on Tubi. Anyway. Yes, uh, this is actually a good movie. Um, it's dark, and it has some trippy scenes in it. Maybe a few too many drawn-out softcore scenes. And, yeah, the rape scenes are grim. Like, they're harsh. They're some of the harder ones to watch. But in a in a less icky way than, say, like, Last House on the Left. Yeah, or Emmanuel in America. Oh, God, yeah, let's... Um, well, we'll talk about that one shortly. Yeah, but it, this one really is... The first one that really shows the combination of sex and violence that Joe D'Amato is known for. Yeah, that's his that's his mo. He uh, always found it amusing to combine the two. Yeah, and sometimes it's successful as it is here, and sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah. So that was our episode on Emmanuelle Francois. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more episodes, check out our website, exploitedpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Exploit or on Instagram at exploitedpodcast. Or contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. So we have our bonus episode next of Emmanuel in America. I'm fixing now a picture behind the tree. Against the rain, under a branch of blouse, you dress a smile and clear. And having you, I feel like love is real.